The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home, assisted living, and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Facebook Live right now, facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show, and there's nothing there. We had a technical glitch in our equipment today, and uh, they're shipping us. Okay, look, Zach, jump on the microphone here. You <laughs> talk to Cam up in northwest uh, Arkansas, our tech guy up there. Explain to us what's the problem. We're really not sure at this moment. <laughs> Wonderful. That is not <laughs> what I wanted to hear. That's not an answer. Yeah. Okay. So, but he's sending some kind of board or something. An output card. An output card. Yeah. All right. And he thinks that's going to fix it. Hopefully so. Are you the one that has to put it in? <laughs> and he's saying yes. He's, he's he's shaking his head up, up and down. See, we don't have cameras on today. They can't see you shaking your head, Zach. <laughs> you got to say yes or no. He don't like to talk on the radio. Zach does not like to talk. So you're saying yes, correct? <laughs> is that what you're saying? The man, the man behind the glass. Okay, so, and if that's not the problem, did Cam give us any idea what might be any other problems? Not, not as of this moment. All right, so. So all money's on the output card. That's, that's what I'm correct. Hearing. Okay. Laying, laying all my money down on black. That's, to say. <laughs> that's where I'm putting all my money so, at today. Yeah, the combination so of output card and Zach. There you go. All Let's right, I got it set up. Ready to go. Uh, Russ, my, uh, normal producer, uh, that is here is doing well. He had, uh, surgery today. Uh, I won't talk about what it was because I didn't ask him about it, but he came through it with flying colors. Good. So Good he's doing well. He'll be back on Monday, taking tomorrow off a well-deserved second day off to get over what they did to him. And I'm glad that they didn't do it to me. See, here's the thing. Uh, they'll tell you that what he had done was like a minor surgery, right? When it's being done on you, it's never minor. It is always major surgery. Exactly. I've always, I've always told people that no, it's not minor. Now, if they say they're going to do major surgery on you, then you might be asking some questions. Yeah. You go in there even for just little outpatient. It's just the whole prep work. It makes you feel like, you Mm -hmm. know, makes you feel like it's going to be a big one. Yep. Yeah, it never makes you feel good. No, not not not. <laughs> I appreciate them fun. trying to downplay it, but yeah, it never makes yeah. you feel good. It's just minor surgery. Yeah, just you're going to go in. You come in five thirty in the morning as Russ did, and and you'll be home by noon. Right? Yeah. Does it involve cutting me? Yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's the fact. Then no, but it does involve a laser. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, <laser. laughs> does it involve sutures? Yeah. That's yeah. what no I want. No sutures. Know. It's all laser for for Russ today. It was all laser. They did laser. That's work because on he's him. the cyborg. They need to. What he needs is needs to like have fantastic voyage kind of technology. Yeah. <laughs> they got the little submarine down in in the areas that they went to, and they're 
cutting things up and oh, that's creepy. whatever. Yeah, Isn't just that the technology creepy. nowadays is just creepy. It's, well, it's creepy. It kind of is. I, I mean, it's cool. Like, Don't get me yeah, wrong. No, I mean, you can right. do that. I'd rather do that what than they, a big old gash, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's what have been a big old gash mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. they had done this surgery with us eight years ago. It's like, you know, look, but I had open heart surgery. I was in the hospital for five days and then I was home. That Get was amazing. used to it. would be like two weeks, a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah if you made it out. And, and, and the other thing is my father had a heart attack when I was 10. Okay. And you know what they did to, to, to treat him? They gave him three months bed rest. To, wow. Which they know now was the worst thing they could do. Wow. Because his heart got weaker instead of stronger while he was just laying there i'll never forget that he he couldn't get out of bed he he wanted to watch the cubs play he'd come and get on the height of bed that was out in the living room he would he didn't tell the doctor he walked from the bedroom to the living room and laid on the height of bed to watch the cubs play baseball Ooh. i can't imagine laying yeah. in the bed for three months and then he come to find out that that's not what yeah later on need, right? it's like it's like how they told you don't eat eggs if you have high cholesterol. Now they found out that yeah. it's a different way of cholesterol being, you know, taken care of by your body. And you could have eaten all the eggs that you wanted. And like eggs is one of my favorite meals. Right. And I ate well, I ate all of those, you know, fake eggs. Yuck. Well, it's like the, uh, you know, my, some of my favorite old pictures are the, the guys riding in the Tour de France, you know, and they're smoking cigarettes because yeah, it was yeah. supposed to open up your lungs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're all there. I mean, just it's ridiculous those photos. But yeah, back then it was it was supposed to open you up. It was supposed to help you have a bigger lung capacity. And what was it? Camel stuff. Camel was endorsed by the medical was the American Medical Society. (laughs) Wow. Erin used to smoke in the all kinds of stuff in the hospital. Just smoke better there with the cut onion and half cigarette. Yeah. Then they. (laughs) They figured out doing careful that where you're with the, well, they, right? Yeah, so, with, with they the, found uh, the butts and yeah, and yeah be careful where you're ashing that. That's yeah, all you got to be careful when they're using oxygen. <laughs> yeah, and you're trying to light a yeah. cigarette. Not a good thing to do. I mean, I look back at some of that stuff like they had on Mad TV. You know, they'd be sitting in, or not Mad TV, Mad Men. Mm-hmm. And they were just sitting in the hospital smoking cigarettes. I'm like, the way these it was, are the things man. that we thought wouldn't kill us. And just think about it. You know, some some people died, and other people no didn't even bother them right that's the way it is everybody dies i mean either everybody dies all right so jr davis is here spokesman for the governor's office always good to have him in uh we'll have him here today and i think this is the last time we'll have him basically for the month of february uh because next week it's my my birthday week i'll be i'll have a birthday wednesday of next week and then um, my uh, grandson is having his birthday on Saturday. He'll be one year old. And then uh, on Monday, we're off because it's President's Day. So I'm going to take Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off. And then I'll be back with you the following Tuesday. But then I'll be flying out on Wednesday because we got to head out to Washington, D.C. because we're going to be at CPAC. Val's going to fly out as well. Yeah, buddy. And so is Elizabeth and Russ. So we'll have full coverage. Uh, from CPAC. That would be a whole lot of fun. Always is every year. This is my 12th in a row. Wow. And I've been there. So it wasn't as much fun going there when Obama was president. It's always more fun when <laughs> you have your party in I'm power. Excited. So it's going to be fun. The president speaking, the vice president speaking, Ben Shapiro speaking. There's a lot of different people 
I think Dana Loesch is going to be there, some other folks. So uh, we'll be having some different people in. Howie Kurtz may be around. He's going to join us on the show next week, and we'll talk to him. You see him talking about the media all the time on Fox. He'll be part of the show Tuesday. Uh, he hasn't made up his mind whether he's going to be a CPAC. If he is, he's already told me he'll make sure he stops by and visits with us. But uh, while I'm gone, you all are going to have to just pay really close attention to what's going on at the Capitol without me being here. Normally, I'm usually at the Capitol, got my eagle eye on them, watching them over there in the legislature. But the uh, the fiscal session gets underway, what, Monday, isn't it? Yep, Monday morning, uh, things kick off. I think the – actually, I say Monday morning. I think it's around noon where they'll actually uh, kick everything off. The governor will address the General Assembly uh, and uh, kick off the session with some remarks, and then we'll we'll get to it. All right. Expect it to be an uneventful one? Uh, I, you know, I don't know if you can ever say you, I expect it to be. Will it be? I'm not sure. You never know. When you get 135 you get all those right? uh, men and women together – you just never know what might happen, yeah. but still. Yeah, and, and you know, this is uh, – I, obviously, I think we've laid out our budget. Uh, we've had communications with legislators and walked them through that budget, uh, especially the Medicaid side of things where we've seen a, a decrease from uh, the anticipated FY19 budget. Um, as I told you guys, I think a few weeks back, DHS is actually turning back about half a billion dollars to the federal government mm-hmm. because of some of those reforms, so that's good news. It saves about $55 million in general revenue. Um, so uh, we've we've been working to message that with legislators and, and make sure they uh, have any uh, questions they might have answered. And so I think we're in good shape. Um, and we'll kick that off Monday and hopefully be out of there in thirty days. Does the uh, does the governor invite legislators into the Capitol, whatever, and meet with a, a a whole you know with a group of them until he meets with everybody in his party or in what I don't know if he meets with Democrats or not and runs over the uh, the budget with them. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, first of all, we had the uh, uh, budget presentation the governor laid out uh, to uh, the Joint Budget Committee and right. several other legislators. So we walked him through that process. And then, of course, if they have any other questions, uh, he has an open door policy. If they want to come in and talk about specifics, uh, we can. We meet with leadership and go over certain things if they have members that have questions. So anyway, it's it's open door policy. If, if they want to come in, uh, he's more than happy to walk them through stuff, So, um, which which has been very helpful. Uh, so I think we're in a good good spot, and uh, we'll we'll uh, kick things off Monday morning. So on your side of it, do you send out uh, releases to all of the elected officials saying this is what we'll be looking to do on X, Y, and Z days and things of that nature? As far as just from the communication standpoint, yeah. Uh, well, for the most part, um, what we've done is is we have a uh, list of. Uh, accomplishments from 2015 with the governor and the legislature and what we worked on together and mm-hmm. sort of just a reminder of kind of where we've been and where we're going uh, i think you'll hear some of that in the governor's address on monday you know we've reached three million population more arkansans are working than ever before fewer people are on medicaid than when he took office uh, snap benefits are at a nine-year low um, you know more than sixty thousand indiv- new jobs created since 2015 uh, just a lot of those different things that we'll be talking about, just kind of seeing where we were, where we are now, but the work that's ahead of us as well. So uh, we wanted to make sure that legislators had that and they could kind of refresh themselves on what we've been able to accomplish as a group uh, since January of 2015. Anything's a lot. Anything out there floating around that you know of, Jr. that could be a bone of contention? 
You know, I'm not not off the top of my head. Uh, obviously, when you talk about the DHS budget, when you talk about any budget, it just one thing can pop up, and a and a legislature could uh, a legislator could decide to to put a hold on a budget for whatever reason. And so, it's our job, you know, just to to answer any questions they may have. That's where some of our cabinet directors come into play as well. Just that's what we want to do. We want to have an open, transparent dialogue and make sure they know that if there's uh, if they have questions about certain things or they don't feel like they have the information on certain things, we want to get that to them. But I don't see anything. Uh, I don't see anything that uh, right now that could pop up, and hopefully that stays the case. So it's supposed to be 30 days in and out. Possibility of extending it no more than 15 days, um, but I don't know that we'll need that. So is, it, is the governor hoping that maybe they can get out a little earlier than 30 days? Hey, we always hope we can get out earlier <laughs> than the allotted time. But I, I think 30 days to to go through all the uh, uh, the different appropriations and the budget and then get to the RSA uh, part of it, uh, I think takes around that, that amount of time. So uh, again, I don't see anything that uh, could uh, turn into a fight. I think we especially, uh, you know, I look at the DHS uh, Medicaid appropriations budget, and uh, we've had this conversation a few times now since the governor's been in office. And what's great is being able to provide uh, the reforms we put into place and the numbers we have now and kind of show where we've been and where we're going. Uh, and I think legislators appreciate that to be able to see, okay, this is, this is the reforms that, that we voted on in 2016 and again in 2017, and we really have something to show for it. Uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but you know, more than 117,000 individuals were rolled off Medicaid rolls in 2017 alone. Um, 58 from uh, 58,000 from traditional Medicaid, 58,000 from the Arkansas Works program, uh, and and that's with with no substantive policy changes as far as eligibility requirements go. Now we do have the waiver pending still in Washington. Uh, we expect that any day now. We saw Kentucky get theirs, Indiana got theirs. Uh, we expect to be uh, the next one up. Um, so that'll be good news for the program as well. So we can implement those work requirements uh, and and get that up and running as well. So, okay, so you feel like Arkansas is teed up next? That's that's my understanding. I think we're th- we're three or four, uh, and so I think that uh, as far as uh, I think there's about nine states. I may be off on that. That have some work requirement that they've uh, asked for. Arkansas was one of the first, but of course, you know, throughout that process, uh, but we're up there in the top three. So I feel like we're you know next one up, and we should be hearing something from the federal government pretty soon. Which will be great, and 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 once implemented, our work requirement will be among the most stringent in the nation, uh, which will be great news for the state and for uh, the program as a whole. J.R. Davis is our guest, spokesman for the government, the governor's office. We'll come back. We got more to talk about. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, ninety-six five FM, the answer. It's uh, twenty-four minutes after two, and if it could be after five, all right, because we do replay this. Uh, segment in the five o'clock hour because uh since jr davis makes himself available uh from the governor's office each thursday for the most part uh we like everybody to have a chance to hear this so we make sure we play it during drive time as well so if you're listening then just know it was recorded but it still is pertinent uh to the material that you're listening to because this the fiscal session gets underway on monday uh, we've talked about, you know, this is the time that they'll take a look at the governor's budget. They're going to, you know, say, yeah, we're all about it and whatnot, or if there's something somebody's got heartburn about, they can bring up some questions about it. Uh, word is out, uh, that Josh Miller wants to still freeze, uh, um, Medicaid, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, Medicaid, Medicaid mm-hmm. 
Um, but I'm hearing that it basically is um, instead of an act, it's going. It, it, they're, they're, what is it, what's it called? It would be a joint resolution. A joint resolution, yeah. and that takes what two thirds? Two thirds. And my understanding is that there has to be a uh, uh, basically a mirrored bill in the other chamber as well. Uh, so there's, but that's about my knowledge on that. Yeah. The bottom line is, and yeah. and I understand what what. Uh, you know, State Representative Miller's trying to do. He tried to do it during the regular session, and uh, it did not. Uh, it, it didn't. I think he got out of the House, but it didn't get out of the Senate. Uh, and he'd like to see it. Uh, see, see Arkansas works uh, frozen for right now, without any other people getting on it. But I don't think it's going to happen because there seems doesn't seem to be uh, this whole two thirds that he's going to need to get it to happen. Yeah, it'll play itself out in the uh, in the session, but but again, I think we've you know the governor's been clear on on the cap and freeze is is that it, it goes against what we're trying to do as far as move people up the economic ladder. If you're if you're freezing, you know, right now we're at about two hundred eighty five thousand. If you freeze two hundred eighty five thousand, there's no incentive for people to move off of the program. And if someone falls on hard times, which is what it's for, if you lose a job or or you're you need to kind of put your feet back underneath you as you're looking for new employment. Uh, you're, you wouldn't be allowed to go on there. Um, and so I think that there's some issues there. I understand what he's trying to do, and I appreciate it. But I think at the end of the day, uh, you, you got to make sure you're still providing an incentive for folks to move up and out. And, and that's what we're trying to do with this program. And I think we're seeing a lot of success in that as well. Uh, and when we get the work requirements uh, uh, implemented from the federal government, uh, you'll see uh, more of that connection to uh, work and the program as well. All right, uh, story today in the uh, Demgas. This is on the Arkansas section, a little bit above the fold on the left side. Health sign-up help cut for now. Board vote pairs navigator funds. Uh, this is from Andy Davis. State board yesterday decided to reduce the number of outreach workers known as navigators available to help Arkansans sign up for health insurance through September 30th. Uh, the Arkansas Health Insurance Marketplace had planned to provide funding for 11 of the workers with the expectation that they would be needed to help people affected by a change in the eligibility criteria for the uh, state's expanded Medicaid program known as Arkansas Works. So uh, bring us up to date on this. How come this happened? Do you have some insight into it? Sure, and I think if you go back to, I believe it was Mark Metters who provided the quote there, it was just basically saying that, because of the aspect in the, in the waiver we have pending right now, that's the eligibility uh, policy change, which would lower it from 138% of the federal poverty level to 100% of the federal poverty level. When that happens, we estimate around 60,000 individuals will roll off uh, Arkansas Works and onto the individual marketplace. Uh, and so what those navigators are there to, to do is to help uh, – move people and, and well, help uh, bring awareness to folks on what their options are on the individual marketplace and walk them through that process. Uh, while we're still waiting from the federal government on that, that aspect of the uh, waiver, uh, they made the decision that they need to you know, reduce that number right now. If you read the article further, he says that uh, once we receive that waiver from the federal government, uh, they can increase uh, those navigators. So uh, it's a smart move for the time being. And the governor's always said, you know, however we accomplish, accomplish it, we just want to make sure that folks um, uh, are aware of what's out there and the options that they have before them. That's yeah, the most important and, thing. And the other thing for people to know, the Marketplace Board voted to reduce its spending on navigators right. yep. from March 1st, September 30th by two-thirds. 
Uh, they were going to spend 318000 and some change. Now it's going to be 106000 and some change. Yeah. So, so I think right a, now. That's a significant savings. Yeah. It's, it's, it's prudent in the time being. And again, if, if we get word from the federal government uh, that, that uh, we can move forward on that eligibility uh, change, then they can uh, increase those navigators to help people get connected in the individual marketplace. So, uh, you know, I think it was the, uh, uh, you know, good decision in the mean, uh, in the interim. And then of course, uh, if that changes, we can, we can go back to it. But the biggest part is just whatever happens, we just want to make sure folks uh, are provided that awareness on what their options are on the marketplace. All right. J.R. Davis, my guest from the governor's office, spokesman for them. And he'll be back with us in the next half hour. We'll talk some more. Right now, though, we got to get a break in, and then we'll uh, have that. Then we'll have some commercials. A uh, quick update for you. The uh, Faulkner County Tea Party tonight. Uh, Acre, Americans, uh, Arkansas's um, Americans for Prosperity chapter, Conduit for Action, will be presenting and taking uh, questions. Uh, that's happening tonight at 7 p.m. at the McGee Center in Conway. They'll be uh, talking about the Arkansas Legislature's fiscal session which JR is talking about and what they are planning. All are welcome. Light refreshments are going to be served at the conclusion. It's usually some very tasty cookies and coffee and punch. So, you know, if you like that kind of stuff, which I do, by the way, but I can't make it tonight. Cause you, you offer me cookies and I'll show up. I know, I'm just, right? I'm just saying, I love cookies. That's how and I they have a lot of chocolate chip cookies there. But that's the Faulkner County Tea Party tonight at the McGee Center at 7 p.m., uh, this evening, and uh, I'm just telling you, uh, there's some good people there with Acre and AFP and all the rest going to mm-hmm. be there and and talking and and presenting and things of that nature. You should stop by Jr. tonight. Yeah, you should go over and for the free in. cookies. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> they're going to talk about what they're planning to do for the special session. You could be over there and take notes. Take now. That would probably be a good idea. <laughs> probably be a good idea. Yeah. Or maybe you'd like to go up and take questions with them. Sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that, too. Let's pencil that in. I, hey, look, I'm happy to answer any questions It's a political year, it's and I'm just, to, uh, I love gigging JR like this. And It's a political year, and, you know. It is just, a political year. It is year. the way it is. What oh. can I say? It hey, is we, have a strong, we have a strong record, and we'll stand by it. And if there's questions people have, I'd be happy to answer them. So. Well, you're here right now. Phone okay, lines right are open. 823 0965 uh, six five, flu has been terrible. Yeah, uh, I think the latest I have here is this. Uh, this may have gone up since uh, Tuesday. I think it's one hundred and twenty five. One hundred and twenty five people have died now. Yeah, the latest was a little kid, from what yeah. I understand. Well, you know, I I was uh, a friend of mine had had been at Children's, and one of the doctors told her that like three hundred and something kids were admitted this week. Wow. Well, well, well this is particular. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if that's a factual thing or not, but. Sure, that's what well, heard. That's a it's lot bad. of kids. Um, kids being and, and every year you kind of look around the nation, and, and there's certain strains that uh, affect different parts of the country. And this year, it's it's hit Arkansas really hard. Uh, we had a news conference, I believe it was uh, last week, uh, where the governor got up there with the Surgeon General and the uh, director of the Department of Health, and just talked about how big of an issue this is, and that folks need to continue to take those precautions. Um, and especially with their flu shot. Get um, that flu shot. It's and, still going to be good. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, there was a release today from the Department of Health that said that uh, they're offering free flu uh, flu shots in all local units 
there will be no out-of-pocket cost for patients regardless of their insurance status. So if, if you hear about this and you can uh, get to your local health units uh, and get that shot, do so. It's free. Uh, we, it's just a it's just a bad year for the flu, and so folks need to take all the precautions they can, especially parents. Uh, Val, you mentioned you know the kids yeah. uh, being admitted. I mean, parents can do a whole lot just protecting themselves, so they're not uh, passing that on to their kids. And and sometimes you're you're not even sick when you're contagious, and so that's some that's part of this strain as well that that sneaks up on people. So it's it's a it's been a very very deadly year, and we're just trying to make sure folks are aware of of the situation and the critical aspect of it. Just know you're sick. But you you may not be presenting yet. right. Yes, as, as Doctor Yamaguchi right, would go. say to me, you're not presenting yet. You're not. Presenting. You're That's sick. right. Yeah, Doctor Doctor Jr. does not know what he's talking about when he <laughs> in spe- specific language. But yes, you may not be showing symptoms. That's right. Um, but you, you still are, have the, yeah, you still have the, the flu virus the flu. and you are contagious. So uh, just something to keep in mind as we go through this flu season. And, and there's been some folks that said this could last for another couple of months. So you know, people ask me why they come in the studio and JR, you've never asked me, but I, I keep a dish rag here in the studio with me. That's so if I sneeze, I put that over my mouth. Have Smart. you ever seen a picture? Oh man. Of somebody sneezing. Yeah. Oh, it's nasty. Well, they, they put that stuff in there. You can track it. Yeah. Good grief. It goes, it can go as far away from you as six feet. Good grief. And then as it falls, it's all over the surfaces. That's why we've got Lysol, you know, here in the, in the studio. I wipe the furniture down after every show. I'm, when people finally, when they can actually watch your show here, they'll see that this is a very clean and tidy studio. Well, so. yeah, kind of. Kind of. Kind of. I mean, you see the Lysol, I'm just staring right you at can't, it. You can't. Think about no, the people that have lying. to be in the hospital. Oh, that, oh, yeah. Sometimes that's not like, did you see where they're telehealthing? Doctors are oh, telehealth, doing telehealth yeah. now because, I mean, you know, sometimes you think, oh, i got to go to the doctor. That's the best yeah. place for me. No. Well, I had a friend that, that went into the uh, doctor's office, and uh, first thing they, they gave to them is is a mask. Yeah. Said, put the mask on while you're sitting in yeah, the waiting buddy. room. You ain't got to tell the, me twice. Oh, yeah. The, the, the germs in a, in, a, in a waiting room are just, oh, man. Yeah, it's nasty. Yeah. So, it's nasty. I yeah. mean, it's just it's truth but in of the, the matter. Yeah, in the, the, the serious nature of this, it really just just take all the precautions. You know, make sure you're washing your hands, that you're, if you haven't had the flu shot, get the flu shot. Stay out so, of places where there's large groups of people. Yeah. I mean, sir, I mean uh, I, I'm not trying to blow up anybody's concert or anything. Right. I'm, right. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, you got to take some extra precautions. And, you know, when I was raising kids, I always knew. I was going to get sick because my kids brought it home from school all the time. Mm-hmm. They get sick. And once one kid gets sick, every kid's going to get sick. Oh yeah. And I had eight kids under one roof at one time. And it just made sense that, you know, it was just a matter of time. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I kind of just sit down and try to figure, okay, what three days do I want to <laughs> miss work? You know, kind of thing. Yeah. I got friends too with, with small kids that it just, it, it just, circulates you know the god dad bless gets them six, you love your and the kids, kids and it comes look, right back I and mean, it's just just as you know they look at cycle. you you know and oh yeah 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 and just sneeze in your face and you're like well <laughs> yep, right or they're go. just Try. like yep. and they yeah. don't tell their teach their kids to cover their mouths mm, yeah i'm like come on now come on yeah well, that's a good thing to teach your kid from the word get-go yep you know crook of your arm yes when i sneeze i go to the ground know why because i don't yeah. spray out everywhere 
You could to the ground, huh? Yeah, I just been. I you just need like, to do the rag thing. You know? But then that I gets germs in it, though. I, well, that's There's okay. already germs it's in your feet. My, it's just my. <laughs> it's I've been just thinking mine. about you going to the bathroom. It's my know. germs. I, I inhaled myself. Bottom line. There you <laughs> you go. inhale yourself. <laughs> so I, what I do, anyway. So, JR, we, we talked about the flu. And, and again, take precautions for it because it, it is really, really uh, bad this year as far as uh, that is concerned. We've been trying to keep it under control and it has not been easy to say the least all right we've, we've talked about most of the stuff that i uh, i had down written down uh jr as far as uh the, the uh, fiscal session coming up mm-hmm. uh as far as the flu as far as uh, the the fiscal session uh the navigators uh the cuts there uh, necessary cuts to say the least because we're just not going to have as many people that need that information and that's not a bad thing that's a good thing that uh, that is happening yeah uh, you got any you got any other news you want to pick up on after we come back from the break yeah absolutely there's a report from reuters uh, i'd like to talk about arkansas is among three states uh with a pretty interesting uh notch in their belt for 2017 i think it speaks volumes to the economy and where we are as a state and i'll be happy to talk about that all right break we'll come back and we'll see what he's got that he wants to share with us it's the dave ellswick show val emmons is here i am jr davis is here he is of course the spokesman uh from the governor's office he joins us each thursday although the next two thursdays will be off my birthday and then cpac comes up the week after we won't be here those days Let's take a break here on 96.5 FM, The Answer. Well, I got to keep talking. <laughs> I'm not the only one. I looked, no, I looked up and Zach wasn't in the studio. Uh-oh. He's taking care of something uh, well, down the hallway. What does Kim talking do? I just, well, I just looked up and I see him standing about five feet behind <laughs> JR going. Keep talking. You go. Keep talking. Okay, We're not so ready. I'll, I'll, I'll keep Go ahead. And okay, I'll give just us go a good. Give us the good a news. Solid. I felt so good about that tease too. Yeah, it was. Really it was excellent, it. man. I can always uh, tell somebody who's it, been in the business before. It, yeah. So, so Reuters came out with a report last week. Uh, Arkansas is one of three states notching three percent plus wage gains wow. and plumbing record low unemployment rates for 2017. Uh, so it's it's pretty incredible. It talks, you know, that that we rec- we saw. Uh, uh, the lowest unemployment rate in Arkansas's history at three point four percent, and the governor kind of jokes that uh, he doesn't want it to see go. What doesn't want to see it go much further than that? We're around three point seven right now. That's because obviously uh, we want to bring in companies and and, uh, uh, and industry so they you know can tap into our workforce. So we kind of joke about that, but we saw three point four percent unemployment, a three percent wage increase across the state which is great for Arkansas. We always see kind of where we hover at as far as median income, median income goes in the state. So uh, that's great news for Arkansas, and I think it just speaks volumes to uh, what we've been able to do as far as economic development over the last three years. We saw a lot of that culminate in 2017 from 2015, 2016, uh, and 2017 was just a stellar year as far as the economy goes, and I think we're set up uh, to do even more in 2018. And again, that's what the governor will uh, address on Monday. It should be a uh, very interesting speech. I'll leave it at that, and uh, I think there will be some some big news that come out of it. All right. So you know things are moving in the direction that we we want them to to move in. Okay. I've been talk, told now that we can take a break. <laughs> okay. So there you let, go. let's get our break oh, in a little bit late. It is the Dave Ellswick Show, ninety six five FM, The Answer. 
All right, final question for you today, Jr. Uh, there's an article inside the B section dealing with the Arkansas Supreme Court. Uh, Chief Justice Dan Kemp is asking for the legislature uh, to pony up 135,000 and change to pay a team of lawyers uh, defending the state's top justices in a federal lawsuit uh, brought by Pulaski County Circuit Judge Wendell Griffin. Griffin, who's, of course, an outspoken judge, blogger, preacher from John Morant, who wrote the story, sued the Arkansas Supreme Court's seven justices last October, several months after the high court stripped Griffin of his ability to hear cases involving the death penalty. We'll all, we all remember this, where he was yeah. laying on the cot and the whole nine yards out by the governor's mansion and yada, 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 and they said, you can't do that, and they said, that you're not going to be able to hear and now he's uh wanting uh he's suing them and it's costing these justices uh or the supreme court a lot of money now does the, does the state just you know basically cover that well and normally they go through the path of you know the attorney general's office uh but the attorney general uh is recused from the case uh, or did recuse from the case last year so uh, the governor has allowed the justices to seek outside counsel this is a weird sort of situation where you have you know, a um, uh, judge uh, suing the justices uh, for a decision that I think if anybody saw Twitter that day and the reaction from what happened outside the mansion, it was very clear what Judge Griffin was doing. Um, and so that's that's what led to all of this. So uh, I, I think that it's just one of those strange situations. Again, it, the attorney general's office is usually the one that, that represents they had to recuse themselves um, so the governor gave them the okay to seek that outside counsel. So, um, but again, I think you going back to April and, and to the protests outside the governor's mansion on uh, the death penalty uh, speaks volumes to the fact that you had this particular judge who was, you know, entwined in all of that and, and had these cases and would rule on these cases and obviously had a bias uh, and, and uh, you know, that bias came out on a gurney in front of the mansion. So pretty, pretty cut and dry in my opinion. I'm no attorney uh, by any means, but um, that's where all this stems from. Well, here's the the big key. And, you know, Teague is upset about it, saying that uh, he was frustrated by the cost and the number of attorneys the justices had hired. He didn't expect the committee to refuse to appropriate the money. Conservative lawmakers who have just about had enough of the judge Griffin have now said, uh, of course, uh, last year they called for his resignation. Are you hearing any rumblings that during the, this fiscal session that they might go ahead and try to impeach him and move him off the court? I know that was talked about back in April. Um, I think that there's, I would imagine there's certainly an appetite from, from reading some of the comments, uh, in that pay, in that story from today. Uh, you know, I, I agree with uh, Senator Garner. I think it's it's frustrating uh, that we're in a position where, where you know, you, you have to spend this uh, uh, amount of money on, on defense uh, against a lawsuit that, again, looks pretty cut and dry. I mean, if you're a judge, you, you can't go out there and protest against things that you rule on. Uh, and, and in that case, in multiple, multiple times, and we had eight different uh, – death row inmates that were scheduled to be executed and and judge griffin was involved in uh, i believe a few of those so i mean again you, you can't do that you can't go into a to a 
courtroom with a judge that's already biased and knowingly biased and goes out in front of the mansion to protest on a gurney. Uh, so, and I believe he was even wearing a pin at the time. So if you weren't, I think he said in the past, his excuse was that it wasn't about the death penalty. It was about something else. I think he was said he was pretending to be, I don't know what it was. I'm not even going to uh, guess, but, but it's very clear. He has a pin that says, you know, something about anti death penalty <laughs> so if you take all that out yeah, that's all right i'm away, sure like, he has one for an abortion well, first pro-abortion yeah, too. so it yeah, literally no says sense. it right there so anyway um it, unfortunate circumstances but to answer your question yeah i think there's probably an appetite for that in the legislature okay attorney general leslie rutledge whose office typically represents state officials this is why they ended up going out and getting uh, mm-hmm. uh you know legal representation for each of, of themselves uh is also the lead attorney in the state's push to carry out executions. She recused from the case last year. Governor Asa Hutchinson allowed the justices to seek outside counsel. Uh, I don't understand Larry Teague's problem. Uh, they went out, found counsel that they that they wanted, and now he's got a problem. Said, "Well, I think it's a little too expensive. Probably wouldn't be too expensive if he were sitting in their shoes." Yeah, no, absolutely, and and I'll say too that the governor, you know, obviously he just gives permission for them to seek outside well, sure. counsel you know the the cost that's where the legislature comes in but yeah you're right i mean this is uh you know the situation as it is today uh warrants that sort of response uh and so i think that you know obviously there's there will be more to come on this well hopefully um, the legislature will put an end to this it's very simple the way to do it then they should do it yeah well again just look at the quotes in that paper. You can yeah, tell that there's some, there's not some appetite for it. No, and and they shouldn't be. So. Yeah, and I agree with that. And uh, Griffin, along with some, a few other attorneys that practice here in Central Arkansas, uh, don't know a camera or a reporter they don't like. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm just saying if they see a camera going, they're running for it. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've dealt, look, you were in television. You know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking about. I, I you know, I go back to to the, those that two week stretch uh, during the executions back in April, and and this was, you know, a responsibility the governor did not take lightly. Uh, he poured over those court transcripts. He wanted to make sure he knew everything uh, before moving forward with that. Uh, and and so I think to to have someone uh, in a position like Judge Griffin uh, to literally wear that bias on your uh, clothing. Uh, is mm-hmm. is a disservice not just to the justice system as a whole, but to the families of these of the victims that have had to live through this for twenty twenty five years in some cases. Yep. So I think it's an injustice, um, and I think the Supreme Court was right, uh, and I think that these legislature uh, legislators uh, absolutely uh, have a reason to be frustrated. All right, J.R. Davis is the spokesperson for the governor's office. We're just about out of time. You need to get some extra rest because <laughs> next week, you, who knows what might raise its head, and you'll be running around trying to you know put out fires or whatever. Yeah, I'll tell you this quickly. There's this sort of the no man's land right between after the first of the year to the fiscal session. Right. So I think we are all ready, <laughs> ready. to be uh, fired up to be here in the fiscal session, so we can start dealing with the budget uh, and and kind of you know push off some of these other things that are happening. Uh, so I think we're we're laser focused. The governor's ready to go. I think he's going to have a stellar message on Monday for uh, the General Assembly, uh, and you should definitely tune in. It'll be good stuff. All right, and after that's over, 
then we'll have a little bit of a lull. Not a long lull because we've got a special election that's happening that's right. next week. And then uh, we got a primary coming up in May. And then after that, people say, well, during doldrums of summer. Uh, no, 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 no. You've got the tax group meeting. That's right. you got all this stuff going on. All And all of that's going to be leading up to uh, 2019. 2019 is going to be big. We're excited about that. It's going to be a lot be. going on. And I think the governor has a uh, pretty incredible vision for what he wants to see happen. So tune right. in. <laughs> JR, thanks so much. Right. JR Davis, he'll be back in uh, two, three weeks. He'll be back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Next week's my birthday, and I take it off. And then the, ah! <laughs> the week after, we'll be at CPAC. So it's let's take a break. Fox News is next uh, 40 Days of Life. We're going to have folks in to talk about that. You get to hear the president's uh, speech today at the National uh, Prayer Breakfast. And in the 4 o'clock hour, the UAMS Marijuana Study. They'll be in to talk to us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Steven. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year, and we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T Law Group.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbrough Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. All right, back with you. Second hour of the Dave Ellswick Show here at 96.5 FM, The, uh, The Answer. I wanted to remind you before we get into this discussion with our guest, that the uh, Faulkner County Tea Party tonight uh, is having a pre-fiscal uh, session. Uh, this will be Acre, uh, the Arkansas Chapter of Americans for Prosperity, Conduit for Action. They'll all be at this uh, meeting tonight presenting and then taking questions. Uh, it starts at 7 p.m. at the McGee Center in Conway. Uh, they'll be addressing the Arkansas Legislature's fiscal session and what they are planning all are welcome light refreshments will be served at the conclusion of the meeting again that is at the mcgee center starts at seven uh with acre americans for prosperity it means that ryan norris will be there i'm sure and uh, conduit for action so if you want to know what they feel uh the legislative uh, session is going to be like uh and perhaps what you can do uh, to have maybe an effect on it, uh, you might want to stop by tonight and be part of this. It'd be really, really good. A lot of good information to be coming out of here. Mary Sulfur is with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 
and she is with 40 Days of Life. And I'll let her start off by explaining exactly what 40 Days of Life is all about. Mary? Thanks, Dave. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, come on and talk a little bit about 40 Days for Life. It is a uh, national campaign in which people come together to pray for an end to abortion. And Little Rock has participated for 10 years now in this national campaign, this being our 13th campaign. And, um, you know, it's a simple thing. It's a matter of just coming out. We go out to the sidewalk in front of the abortion facility in West Little Rock, and we pray. Uh, People actually sign up for one hour at a time or more if they can to come out and just be a silent, prayerful witness both for the unborn and for the young women and men who come there um, who are abortion-minded. Uh, some of us who have been trained to reach out to these people uh, also do that. We offer them hope and love and compassion. We uh, are not there just for the unborn. We're certainly there for their families as well, and we want to offer them help and options to abortion and give them information where they can get that and uh, at, at no cost, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it's something that people need to uh, be aware of because when you talk about for those who are there seeking the abortion, you want to be there for them as well. Sometimes they come not knowing all of the ins and outs. They don't know maybe what goes on during that procedure and things of that nature. And then they find out and uh, a lot of people have had you know, major uh, emotional problems after having abortion. Yes, they have. And and you're right. A lot of the girls coming in there maybe don't know what's going to happen with an abortion. Now, the state of Arkansas does require that abortion clinics give them information about the risks to abortion and also about their alternatives. Um, in this case, there happens to be a pregnancy resource center directly across the street from Little Rock Family Planning Services. And so we do what we can to educate these young women for the few moments that we have with them before they go into the door. And we let them know that there is help right across the street. And again, um, the ultrasound, pregnancy tests, prenatal care, lots of services are available, absolutely no cost to them. There is a nurse available uh, without appointment. They can go in. So Uh, Much of it is trying to educate these young men and women um, about what their options are in the event they either, you know, don't really get the full story inside the abortion facility or maybe they're too nervous to even pay attention to the forms being put in front of them. But there is a lot of information the Department of Health requires that the abortion facility give them. Well, you got to figure that for a young kid, they're teenagers early college age there's a lot of emotional confusion going on at that time about well what does this mean if i you know for my life if i go through with the pregnancy things of that nature uh there may be answers to that that they would never even consider uh this is a this is a good thing and and the other thing is people say yeah but dave you just praying as a as a believer i believe that's a powerful weapon Well, it absolutely is. I mean, um, and that's why we do this, because prayer is a powerful weapon. Uh, There are many times, particularly through these 40-day campaigns, we don't know what the successes are in terms of lives saved, babies that have been saved, but 
the campaign uh, campaign we had last October, there were 10 that we know of, 10 young women who stopped at the sidewalk and said, you know, thanks for being here. You've changed my mind or I've changed my mind because someone was out here uh, praying for me. So uh, prayer is powerful. and, And who knows how many other successes there are that we don't know about. You know, Arkansas has passed a law in recent years requiring a 48 hour reflection period. So if a woman comes in to the abortion clinic who is abortion minded, um, she has a consultation, perhaps an ultrasound to determine the age of the baby. And then she has 48 hours to take all of that information home with her, including a booklet and a DVD and everything else. And, and, make a real educated decision about it. So, you know, our hope is that at least by being there and being a presence for her, uh, maybe she won't come back. She'll take that information and, and she'll actually spend some time with the DVD and make a decision that would be um, something she won't regret the rest of her life. And, you know, if if they're standing outside the door and we have a couple of minutes to talk, um it's important for me to tell them that most women do regret abortion the rest of their lives. And men, too. They regret lost fatherhood. So it may not be something they've even considered because they might have been told it's no worse than getting a tooth pulled or some other routine experience in a doctor's office. And certainly that's not it. And I encourage girls, I say, you're the Google generation. Pull your phone out. Look up what I'm telling you, and, and you'll know that we're, we're being honest with you. Now, how many of the, the, the girls that you talk to and the young men that you talk to, for the young men, are they just basically like saying, I can't see myself as a dad now, or or where are they at mentally? Most of the young men that I've talked to just say, you know, it's her decision. I'm just here to support her. And they're not really thinking long term about how it might affect them. not even thinking at all, basically. No, it's it's her decision. And, um, you know, we try to explain that she may come to resent you for bringing her, you know, if you you really didn't stand up and be the man you were created to be, be the protector, be the provider— if you can't do that, let's talk about adoption. There's just lots of options they're not considering. And, and I understand that. These kids are coming in, young people anyway, who are uh, backed into a corner. They're not sure what to do. Maybe mom and dad aren't supportive at home. Maybe they've been kicked out because she's pregnant. Maybe um, uh, she's in school and doesn't want to interrupt her interrupt her college studies. Who knows what all the stories are, but... Um, I think they're coming just wanting to get rid of a problem, you know, and as quick as that I can get rid of this. they perceive as a problem. Exactly. It's a problem. I can't deal with this now. Um, but sadly, too, we see married couples who come mm. and will tell us we already have two kids. We can't feed another. We have, you know, all sorts of problems. So, you know, you have to be um, you have to be compassionate. We're not there to judge anyone. Many of them are in very difficult circumstances, and uh, we're not there to judge. And um, I think a lot of people who see us at the sidewalk may think that we're just out there, you know, judging, trying to force some Christian belief on someone, and and we're not doing that at all. We want to reach out to these young people and some not so young uh, where they are you know, and just meet the immediate need where they are. And a lot of that can be done right across the street at the Pregnancy Resource Center. All right, Mary, you stay right where you're at. We got to get a break in. We'll come back and then we'll let everybody know how they can get involved because you know what? Getting some skin in the game is an important part 
of uh, the struggle that we, we fight here in our country about life and uh, that all life is precious. 96.5 FM, it's the Dave Ellswick Show, The Answer. All right. We are back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. My headphone cord got stuck in the wheel of my <laughs> Mine chair. always gets stuck in the wheel of the chair. Look, it's doing it right now. Finally These came, things are too long. Yeah, came out. it finally came undone. I was running around trying to get it out. Finally did, and I was late coming back on, Zach. That's why it was happening. It's a late day. All right. We're talking about 40 days of life, which gets underway when? What day? Well, it actually kicks off this Sunday, the 11th, at 3 p.m. We're going to have a prayer service slash rally kickoff event um, on the sidewalk in front of Number 4 Office Park Drive, Little Rock Family Planning Services. Now, that is Arkansas's remaining surgical abortion facility right here in West Little Rock. And we're going to kick off. We're going to have prayer and songs by a youth choir. and a couple of our local pastors. And along with that, we're going to have one of the national leaders with 40 Days for Life coming to Little Rock to speak to us about 40 Days for Life. Oh, cool. Yeah, Steve Carlin. He's the uh, North American director of 40 Days for Life. So this is a uh, international Actually, it's thing. become international. It started out, uh, 2007 was the first year it actually went organized nationally, and there were 89 cities participating. Mm-hmm. Today, there were 354 cities participating in this spring campaign, and many of them, there are countries outside the U.S., uh, including Africa. There are actually campaigns going on in in, uh, several locations in Africa. So it's pretty astounding how this thing has grown. Okay, so it's not really difficult to be part of this. I mean, how how does somebody decide to do it? Sure, they can go to the website. It's 40daysforlife.com slash Little Rock. That's 40daysforlife.com slash Little Rock. You can get information about the campaign, lots of updates on what's going on in other campaigns nationally and beyond. And you can log in and sign up to come out and pray for an hour or whatever time you have. Um, We've always, in years past, we've located or contacted a number of churches. We've asked pastors to get involved, to bring their congregations out to what we call adopt a day mm-hmm. or half day and, and bring some of your members out to pray. So, um, and we, how, let me just ask, sure. how, how's that going? Because, you know, everybody would think that most evangelical churches would want to get involved in this, but not so. You know, it's been more difficult than we would have thought early on. Uh, Now, right now, we have 24 of the 40 days of prayer adopted by a church, different denominations who have committed to signing up their membership to come out and pray maybe two or three an hour at a time. So we still have lots of days unadopted, unselected. Um, You know, this seems a little out of the box still for a lot of people, but I'm here to tell you, I've been doing this a number of years. It's not hard. You know, you can stand and you can pray quietly. You don't have to speak. What do they think is so out of the box about this? You know, maybe because it's public witness, and that's one of the key elements of 40 Days for Life. It's based on prayer and fasting, wherever you are. It's based on uh, a public witness at the abortion facilities Mm -hmm and community outreach but once you come out and you stand there and you just pray you don't have to speak you don't have to do anything but pray 
um, that does have a lot of power, and we know that lives are being changed. And, and, and you know, we also pray for the people inside that clinic who work there. We pray mm-hmm. for the abortionists, the guards, anyone who's associated with this business, that their hearts will be softened and and will eventually return to being a culture of life from a culture of death. So that's what all the prayer focus is about. Yeah, I, I just, I find it disturbing that the American church is not involved in this the way they should be. I agree. I mean, even if we had a small percentage of people from every church in this area, we would have hundreds of people yes. at the sidewalk, you know, instead of two at a time, mm-hmm. you know, but we'll take it. I mean, small armies can, can do a lot of good yes. and, and conquer. So that's what we continue to do. And from this 40 days campaign in 2008 became, it became really an outreach. We have an ongoing team of people who go out there round the clock, not round the clock, I should say year round, uh, the three days a week that this clinic is open and we're out there praying during the day for girls. So it's not just a 40 day event for some of us. We're out there year round. Okay. So while this is going on, is it 24 hours? No, it's it's 12 hours. Okay. It's 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Okay. So you can come out and pray an hour on your way to work. You can stop at 6 p.m. and pray on your uh, on an hour uh, on the way home. So, you know, there's time in there for everyone, whether you, you work or you don't. All right, let's get a call in from Jim. Jim is in Grand County. Hey, Jim, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Hi, guys. Uh, interesting topic. thing that I was always thought about is that these young girls need a little education and they're not getting it in school. Um, there's a method out there, uh, where you study ovulation cycles that a woman has. And most people don't know there's only 10 days out of the month. She can even become pregnant. The other 20, you couldn't, if you wanted to. And the study, what it does is show which days are which. And, if you take the $20 a month that you spend on birth control at 240 a year and put it in a quick, uh, you know, a fast growth mutual fund and, you know, just divert the money over, uh, she, uh, in her older age, when she retires, she'd be worth quite a lot of money. Um, and she, you know, you don't have to buy anything anymore. You don't have to worry about, uh, leaving them home when you go on a boat cruise or something like that. And I just wonder why they don't, you know, do that. The only thing they seem to choose to do is the stuff that takes money out of a pocket. And it's it's kind of silly to me. And another thing is with this cold and flu season, if you get yourself a ion generator, it costs about $30 up and put it in your room. Uh, it destroys the bacteria in the air. Um, it charges the air and destroys viruses that are on the dust particles and also cause them to clump and fall out of the air, uh, you'll save yourself many doctor visits if you get something like that. And another thing, uh, that Ten Commandments stone statue that they're going to put thou shall not kill on, that is, the word kill there is really murder. And you see all these Catholic priests and nuns in the last executions they had where they're all running around with signs, thou shall not kill. Well, the public is becoming their own worst enemy in this and putting confusion in the text. One thing, God gave us a death penalty and he gave us the court system. And when you say killing is like for a chicken or something, murder is a whole different matter and, and they don't serve the public well by 
you know, continuing this ignorance, you know, because that's what's causing us. They're the season of their own confusion. All right, Jim, I got, I got to let you go. We got to move back to our topic. I understand you got some things that you want to talk about. We'll look at forward to that, uh, in the future. Uh, the first, the first part of that, uh, discussion you had was important to the, the topic at hand. I would pretty good idea. Keep $240 uh, that you would spend on, on birth control and a mutual fund that you'd have a lot of money by the time you retired. It wouldn't be, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. All right. With that, with that all thought out, uh, let's move back to the 40 days of life. Go to the uh, the website, 40daysforlife.com slash Little Rock. Is yes, that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, you just, do you pick the hours that you want or you what? You can. There is a, a calendar. You do have to sign in. And and every person who signs up to pray is asked to sign a statement of peace. Uh, we recognize that um, if we're going out there, we have to uh, we have to be peaceful. We don't want to do anything that's going to, uh, you know, bring negative attention to a peaceful campaign like this so mm-hmm. there is a statement of peace to sign by everyone who participates but you can access a calendar each day pops up it'll give you the hours and it's very easy to just plug your name in and uh, sign up to come out and uh, pray with us if you want more information about that there is a campaign coordinator uh, contact information on the on the facebook on the uh, face page of that website and uh, you can call her and if you have a group that wants to come out get a hold of tabitha who is the uh, campaign leader i'm a co-leader along with a couple of other people uh, and she'll be able to help you out Uh, it's not a hard thing to do and i'll say within um we have certain successes here that we know about if a girl comes down and tells us she's changed her mind and we report those to the um headquarters of 40 days for life and since this campaign went uh, national or public i suppose you'd say in 2007 there have been recorded 13,998 babies saved from abortion oh, great. those are just the ones that are reported and we know no, about you know about correct so th- this is a successful campaign uh and again it's we're out there to be peaceful to be loving um to be christ to these women and young men and help them make a decision that hopefully they won't regret for the rest of their lives. There's a lot of pain in that after abortion. And, um, you know, we want to make them aware that that can happen. That's certainly one of the risks, and we want to help them um, hopefully avoid a lifetime of pain. All right. Mary, I want to thank you for coming in today. It's a pleasure having you on. And uh, this is this, I tried to have you guys on every year, and people need to know about this. And get involved, 40daysforlife.com slash little rock mary thank thanks you, so much i appreciate for it. having me fox news is next then we got the president's speech at the prayer breakfast coming your way on the dave ellswick show all right we continue the dave ellswick show today was the national uh, prayer breakfast the president was there he spoke at it i thought you'd like to hear what he had to say because on the media they'll give you a couple of outtakes and that's going to be about it so here's the full uh his full his remarks in full here on the Dave Ellswick show. Thank you very much, and thank you, Randy, for that very kind introduction. I want to thank you and Congressman Charlie Crist for serving as co-chairs this year. It's an honor to be with so many faith leaders, members of Congress, and dignitaries from all around the world as we continue this extraordinary tradition. 
I'm very glad to be joined by many members of my cabinet. You're doing a terrific job. I want to extend our appreciation to the First Lady of Rwanda for leading the opening prayer. Thank you. Thank you very much. I also want to thank my two great friends, Mark Burnett and Roma Downey. There's some here. Where are they? They are two terrific people. Stand up, Mark. You deserve it, even though he comes from Hollywood. Roma, thank you very much. Thank you for being here. Major Scotty Smiley and Tiffany, we're moved by your faith and your courage and inspired by your service and sacrifice. That was really beautiful. Thank you very much. Thank you. And to my friend and everybody's friend, Steve Scalise, we are so glad to have you with us today. Your presence reminds us of Jesus' words, the book of Matthew, with God, all things are possible. You are fantastic. You really are, Steve. Fantastic man. America is a nation of believers, and together we are strengthened by the power of prayer. This morning, our hearts are full of gratitude as we come together for the 66th annual National Prayer Breakfast. But our hearts are also saddened by the absence of the co-founder of this wonderful breakfast who passed away last year, Doug Coe, who everybody loved. For 60 years, Doug devoted his time and passion to this prayer breakfast and to many other wonderful causes. Today, we are blessed to be joined by Doug's wife, Jan, and two of their sons, David and Tim. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great man. I want to thank you for carrying on Doug's legacy also. and bringing our nation together in prayer. You are indeed carrying on his great legacy. Each year, this event reminds us that faith is central to American life and to liberty. Our founders invoked our Creator four times in the Declaration of Independence. Our currency declares, in God we trust. And we place our hands on our hearts as we recite the Pledge of Allegiance and proclaim we are one nation under God. Our rights are not given to us by man. Our rights come from our Creator. No matter what, No earthly force can take those rights away. That is why the words, praise be to God, are etched atop the Washington Monument, and those same words are etched into the hearts of our people. So today, we praise God for how truly blessed we are to be American. Across our land, we see the splendor of God's creation. Throughout our history, 
we see the story of God's providence. And in every city and town, we see the Lord's grace all around us through a million acts of kindness, courage, and generosity. We love God. We see the Lord's grace in the service members who risk their lives for our freedom. We see it in the teachers who work tirelessly for their students and the police who sacrifice for our communities and sacrifice they do. And we see the Lord's grace in the moms and dads who work two and three jobs to give their children the chance for a better and much more prosperous and happier life. As the Bible tells us, for we are God's handiwork created in Jesus Christ to do good works. America's heroes rise to this calling. In their selfless deeds, they reveal the beauty and goodness of the human soul. When catastrophic hurricanes struck, first responders and everyday citizens dove into rushing waters to save stranded families from danger, and they saved them by the thousands. Neighbors opened their homes to those in need of food, clothes, shelter. Firefighters braved blinding smoke and flames to rescue children from devastating wildfires. During the horrific shootings, strangers shielded strangers, and police officers ran into a hail of bullets to save the lives of their fellow Americans right in Las Vegas. A terrible day, a terrible night, but such bravery. Families have adopted babies orphaned by the opioid epidemic and given them loving homes. Communities and churches have reached out to those struggling with addiction and shown them the path to a clean life, a good job, and a renewed sense of purpose. And soldiers, sailors, Coast Guardsmen, airmen, and Marines have spent long months away from home defending our great American flag. All we have to do is open our eyes and look around us, and we can see God's hand. In the courage of our fellow citizens, we see the power of God's love at work in our souls and the power of God's will to answer all of our prayers. When Americans are able to live by their convictions, to speak openly of their faith, and to teach their children what is right, our families thrive, our communities flourish, and our nation can achieve anything at all. And Together as Americans, we are a tireless force for justice and for peace. We have witnessed this truth over the past year. For years, ISIS had brutally tortured and murdered Christians, Jews, religious minorities, and countless Muslims. Today, the coalition to defeat ISIS has liberated almost 100% of the territory just recently held by these killers in Iraq and all throughout Syria.
Much work will always remain, but we will never rest until that job is completely done, and we are really doing it like never before. We know that millions of people in Iran, Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, and other countries suffer under repressive and brutal regimes. America stands with all people suffering oppression and religious persecution. Last week, during the State of the Union, the world was inspired by the story of a North Korean defector, Mr. Ji Sung Ho, who is now back in South Korea. Before his escape, when Sung Ho was being tortured by North Korean officials, there was one thing that kept him from losing hope. Over and over again, he recited the Lord's Prayer. He prayed for peace, and he prayed for freedom. And now, as you know, Sung Ho is free and a symbol of hope to millions of people all around the world. Here with us today is another symbol of hope, a very brave nine-year-old girl named Sophia Marie Campa Peters. Sophia suffers from a rare disease that has caused her to have many strokes. At one point, the doctors told Sophia that she would not be able to walk. Sophia replied, if you're only going to talk about what I can't do, then I don't want to hear it. Just let me try to walk. She tried, and she succeeded. And one of her doctors even told her mom, and they're right here in the front row where they should be, this little girl has God on her side. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you, Mom. Great Mom. I said, do you love your mom? She said, I have a great mom. I love my mom. <laughs> right? Just two weeks ago, Sophia needed to have a very high-risk surgery. She decided to ask the whole world to pray for her, and she hoped to reach 10,000 people. On January 24th, as Sophia went into surgery, she far surpassed her goal. Millions and millions of people lifted Sophia up in their prayers. Today, we thank God that Sophia is with us, and she's recovering, and she's walking very well. And I have to say this, Sophia, you may only be nine years old, but you are already a hero to all of us in this room and all over the world. Thank you, Sophia. <laughs> Heroes like Sophia come from all across our country and from every different background. But they all share one thing in common. Through their love, their courage, their sacrifice, we glimpse the grace of Almighty God. 
So today, inspired by our fellow citizens, let us resolve to find the best within ourselves. Let us pray for that extra measure of strength and that extra measure of devotion. And let us seek to build a more just and peaceful world where every child can grow up without violence, worship without fear, and reach their God-given potential. As long as we are true to America's founding and the example that all of these great founders have set, we can all be heroes to everybody, and they can be heroes to us. As long as we open our eyes to God's grace and open our hearts to God's love, then America will forever be the land of the free, the home of the brave, and the light unto all nations. Thank you for this incredible event and to our wonderful hosts, and thank you to all of our heroes for serving, protecting, and inspiring America each and every day. God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, we just have a few minutes left here in this hour. Hope you enjoyed hearing what the president had to say today at the uh, National Day of Prayer to Prayer Breakfast that happened in Washington, D.C. Uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, they'll be uh, taking a break at uh, D.C. with the pol- uh, politicians, which is a bummer for us at CPAC because everybody's coming back here when we're going up there. I've already talked to a couple of our politicians. They said, well, you want to do it by phone? I go, no. If we're going to do it that way, let's wait till I'm back in the studio and you're in D.C. Uh, here's the uh, one of the big stories today. Rasmussen is the only uh, polling uh, company now that's doing a daily uh, presidential poll. You know, really? You know, Gallup daily. quit. You know, Gallup quit. Now, Gallup used to do it daily, too, but they've stopped doing it. Uh, they tracked uh, the president today showing his support at 48% of likely U.S. voters approve of uh, President Trump's job performance, 50% disapprove. Let me just give you an idea of the difference in this. Uh, Just about four weeks ago, only 37% approved. Of what the president was doing, but the uh, the tax bill and all the rest of well, the speech coming out. that he gave during the state of Union yeah that was, was pretty big good too. too yep that that did uh, have a lot of uh, effect on it. Uh, also, Rasmussen was checking uh, on what people are thinking, and they said that uh, most voters are now unwilling to give the FBI a pass when it comes to playing politics in the 2016 election. Uh, Forty. Per- Two percent of likely U.S. voters say Russia is more likely. Uh, U.S. voters say of uh, meddling in the U.S. Uh, presidential race, but now thirty-four percent say that the FBI is the likelier culprit, and expect that to go up as all this new stuff has been uh, brought out, like the letter yesterday that uh, we posted on Facebook. Uh, I was showing you when we were doing Facebook Live, which we're not doing today because we had an equipment failure. Hopefully, we'll be back up tomorrow, no later than fr- uh, Monday. But uh, bottom line, we showed you that letter that I uh, had from Grassley and from uh, uh, Graham. 
that was sent to the FBI and to the DOJ asking for uh, them to move forward uh, against Steele. Uh, they're they're they want, they're going to put this guy in jail. Oh I think. yeah, I think he's going to go to jail. Mean, so should Clinton. Yep, jobless claims have dropped to a forty-five year low, <laughs> and unemployment lines have just about uh, evaporated. Yeah, you know they're just about uh, completely gone. Uh, last but not least, this is a story from Yahoo News and who believes them anyway. <laughs> but anyway, Reuters says President Donald Trump's uh, $1.5 trillion tax overhaul touted as major tax relief for individuals and corporations showing up in bigger paychecks, bonuses, award to workers. Uh, more than 200 companies, including Home Depot, American Airlines, AT&T, are giving bonuses to at least 3 million U.S. workers, according to Americans for tax reform. You heard that the other day uh, when uh, Grover Norquist was here on the show, mm-hmm. and he'll join us. You like this value? You haven't heard this yet. Grover will be around and stop by and, and talk to us while we're at CPAC. Uh, Reuters interviewed people around the country on the benefits they've received so far, uh, most welcoming the additional income. The cuts have largely not changed individuals' longstanding views on Trump or the two major political parties. Oh, don't worry. It will. It's working. As the economy gets better, people will view this president better as uh, as well. All right, get a break. We come back. UAMS is going to be here. We're going to talk to them about a new study they're doing about marijuana. That's next on the Dave Ellswick Show. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year, and we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbrough Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. All right, 4 o'clock hour, Dave Ellswick Show. Coming up at 5 o'clock, we'll repeat our first hour. Uh, for you who did not get to hear it, the uh, spokesman for the governor's office, J.R. Davis, always makes himself available to us. So we sat and talked about what's coming up in the fiscal session and things of that nature. That So that's coming up in the next uh hour so don't call me in the last hour (laughs) because i won't be here i'm just telling you that right now and typically on thursday nights i go see whatever it is that's opening on friday except that 50 shades of free i don't think i need to see what What? yeah oh i I don't keep up with the movies i don't watch it's the new 50 shades of movie you know about snm i think i can pass what's it called 50 shades you didn't hear you you don't know about 50 shades. yeah i know about those movies okay, i didn't know there was three, another one already this is the third one this is that out like thank Harry Potter, god aren't they? thank god it's the last one <laughs> all right just to let you know it is the last i one. saw that and i was just like really this is on the big screen that's like 
P O R E. I had it set up to give away. No, I won't get into it. I'll tell you during the break, okay? What I was going to do for promotion for the show one time when they came out with Fifty Shades. I don't I even want to do. know, Dave. Oh, you got to know. You, I got to tell imagine. you. You'll you'll appreciate it. All right, Doctor Bill. Okay, let me try to get this right. Fantagrossi. That was excellent, Dave. Okay, is here in the studio with us, and Lauren Russell. I can't miss that one up. Yeah, well, okay. I could. And did, by the way, speaking of Russell, which makes me think of Russell Wilson, the quarterback from Seattle. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that he was traded from the Texas Rangers to the New York Yankees? No. Yeah, I mean he's a he was drafted in like the second round, professional baseball, and he's going to actually play I think double A ball, uh, a little bit during the summer for about three weeks or whatever. He's not going to be a two-way player guys you know we're not doing that bo jackson is not happening again just let everybody know now the reason i brought in the doctor and i brought in lauren they're from uams they're they've got a, a study going on and so i'm going to turn over to the doc first and have him explain to us what the study is all about and what it is that they're trying to find out so why don't you start with that doc all right thanks a lot um you know in the 2016 election, Arkansas voted to legalize medical cannabis in the state. Uh, that has been happening around the country um, and in other countries around the world as well. Um, one of the things that we were hoping to do as scientists was try to get out ahead of that. Um, there are other states in the nation where medical cannabis has been legalized um, and even recreational cannabis has been legalized as well. However, the way that kind of happened was uh, just sort of like saying, okay, you can have it. Um, and so in states like Colorado and Washington, where it's been legal for a while, you could go to a dispensary and you could purchase plant material. Um, you could purchase lollipops. You could purchase popcorn. You could purchase uh, sex lubes. You could purchase all kinds of crazy products that contain various um, compounds from the cannabis plant within them. <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to stop you. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, cannabis is marijuana. Yes, it's right, pot. right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, mar- marijuana, just a Mary Jane, Reefer. Pot, whatever you want to call it. Right. So, you know, it, it's a weird position to be in, and I, I like to tell the students that it's sort of like a Wild West mentality where people are kind of able to do whatever they want. Um, physicians are under guidelines about they can, you know, if a patient – uh, registers and gets a marijuana card, um, you know, physicians can tell them that that's a therapeutic option. But what they're not allowed to do is say, for your specific complaints that you have, I would recommend mm-hmm. that you go and buy this particular kind of plant because it has these particular compounds in it in these known amounts. Um, and I recommend that you smoke it. They're not allowed to do that kind of stuff. And it's not going to change no. until federally they move marijuana off of dangerous drugs. Right. So federally, marijuana remains a a Schedule One drug of abuse. And what Mm -hmm. that means is that it is a drug that is uh, highly likely to be abused and has no accepted medical value. That's that's exactly what that means. And so that's that's kind of the crux of the argument right now is that we now have, I think, 29 states that have some form of medical cannabis. And yet at the federal level, uh, we continue to say that it has no accepted medical value. Um, the American Medical Association, and I should say, 
you you introduced me as doctor, which is true. I I really do have a PhD, but I'm not a clinician. I'm not an MD. I don't treat people. Um, but the American Medical Association, which is sort of your big doctor group, they have an official position on marijuana, which is uh, not highly supportive of it as a therapeutic agent. Um, so you know the states are doing one thing; the federal government is doing something else. The medical um, community is doing something else exactly, as well. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so you know you may find a permissive doctor. Um, who will be helpful in endorsing your specific cluster of complaints as one that would qualify you for a medical cannabis card. You may find another one where you would say the exact same thing to, and they it wouldn't even come up. It wouldn't be something that they would recommend. Okay, so a medical cannabis card is not the same as writing out a prescription because a doctor can't do that, correct? Right. They can't tell you how much to take, how to take it, how frequently to take it. Um, so, you know, in um, a fairly short amount of time, I think we're expecting that this year people will start getting yes. medical cannabis cards and they'll be able to do what they want with them. You'll have people that will go into stores and they'll purchase edible products. You'll have people that buy plant material and they'll smoke it or vaporize it. You'll have people that buy oils that they put under their tongue or some that are formulated for transdermal delivery where you'll rub it on your skin. Um, and all of that will be left up to the patient. Um, you know, I, I sort of like to talk about the fact that uh, marijuana is the only medicine that became a medicine because we just voted for it and said, how many people think it's medicine? And more people said yes than no. There's no other medicine that's no. like that. That's, that's kind of a dangerous way to go about and get a medicine, is it not? Uh, it could be. It's, it certainly could be. Well, we, I mean, we really the don't other know, way, right? given some of the FDA, here's some money, make this legal. I don't care if it kills people. No, that's not true. But yeah, the, the, bottom, the bottom line is with CDC and everybody that's out there, uh, studies are done and they, they try to go by those studies to determine if something is legitimate, let's put it that way, or not. Right. We voted in legitimacy. Exactly. We did. And the reason we voted it in is because so many people used to smoke it in the 60s and 70s. Right. There's definitely a perception of safety with marijuana that isn't there for other drugs of abuse. Mm -hmm. um, certainly people don't tend to view it in the same way that they would view psychostimulants like cocaine or amphetamine. Or alcohol. Or even opioids, which we certainly do prescribe. Yeah, right? So, absolutely. you know, the biggest issue with drug abuse in the country right now is use of prescription and non-prescription opioids. You know, you can stack up dead bodies um, yeah. from yeah. opioid overdose. Deep. Very deep and in a way that is nowhere near what happens with, with cannabis. Did I just read that they said that the opioid epidemic is why the lifespan of the American uh, the people living in this country has dropped by two years over the last couple of years? Yeah, that's exactly true. There's There's been a decrease in lifespan uh, that's amazing. among American males. Um, I don't know if it holds for females. Um, They're smarter than us guys, I just think. Yeah, Probably certainly. Not taking them, just certainly. being honest with you, you know. But you know, so what is it that, or should I ask Lauren this question? Lauren, what is <laughs> it that you're hoping your student at UAMS? Yes. What What are you trying to 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 learn from this particular uh, program that you all are are doing? From the survey, yeah. One of the main goals, or one of the main things we want to look at, is the community perception of medical cannabis. Um, so our survey has a bunch of different components to it. It um, asks individuals about reasons they might take medical cannabis. It asks them what they think medical cannabis could treat. And we just want to see how that lines up. Lines up with what? Lines up <laughs> with 
what but, what you know you know just you're wanting an empirical way of figuring this out right kind of an empirical thing where you're getting it you're you're out looking for specific uh you know information from people doing the survey where you know you could read a lot of the newspaper articles and things of that nature and kind of get a feel for where you think people are at right and also we're going to re- the main goal is to repeat this in a few years and so if we compare how people look at medical cannabis now before it's legal and then in five years or it's legal now but before it's available and then in five years when medical cannabis has been available for a long time if the community perception of medical cannabis has changed that's going to be interesting all right bill yeah when it comes down to the cards that people get uh, I've seen the billboards up already about, yes. you know, go to this website and get your card or, or whatever. You know, what kind of a quandary does this put a doctor in? Do, are there a lot of doctors that are concerned about this? I mean, you're literally kind of saying, yeah, go ahead and use something that the federal government and the CDC says is not good for you. Yeah. You know, I think among physicians, it's going to vary like crazy depending on who you talk to. Right. So, you know, one of the things that tends to be a huge factor among people's perceptions of medical cannabis as a legitimate medicine is when it's compared to other drugs that are already available. So we were just talking about opioids, um, and the only states in the country that have seen a decline in opioid overdose deaths are the ones where medical cannabis is available. And once people hear that, many of them kind of change their minds and sort of say, even if I don't really believe that this is a medicine, if I think people are only using it to get high, there's now evidence that people that are taking opioids, which can kill you, switch when they have that other option. Are you, and, are, are you going to do this just with, uh, you know, the general pop- populace, or are you going to break this down where you get general populace and maybe you talk to uh, physicians and find out where they're standing? Do you talk to law enforcement and say where they're standing? Is is that how you're looking to do this? Not right now. So I should say that this is really part of a much larger project. So this is a project that's kind of been um, bubbling around. And there are other institutions around the country that are already involved. So one of them is Johns Hopkins University. Okay. One of them is McGill University in Canada. Um, one of them is the University of Pennsylvania. And then the other one is, is uh, McLean Hospital, which is Harvard's psychiatric hospital. So these are, you know, institutions with a lot of power behind their names. They're places, you know, world-renowned places that people have heard yeah, of. Yeah, they're acclaimed, you know, uh, teaching hospitals right. and whatnot. Yep. Now, you know, the the it's not a problem really, but uh, they got involved with this sort of thing well after the, the cow had left the barn. Uh, medical cannabis was already available. So they weren't able to get the sort of data that we're going to be able to capture here in Arkansas where we can ask people about their perceptions prior to doing it. Now, I understand that's a little bit of a goofy thing to say because it's, certainly there are people here that are already using cannabis. No. Uh, and they w- may even tell you that they're using it in a medical capacity. Um, however, they don't actually have a card right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're certainly having to get it through illicit means. They're, they may have to be hiding it from their spouse or their boss or their friends. Um, so, you know, the, the fact is the perception right now, whereas it's not available and it's more associated with a sort of drug abuse issue, is likely to change as it becomes available. And, and nobody's been able to dip into that. So, you know, the, the hope is that eventually 
we'll be able to take our data, which, you know, we think is likely to be representative of any, any other state in the country. I don't know why things would be particularly different here in Arkansas and throw it all together with what other people are doing and come up with some kind of a database that would allow us to eventually start asking questions about, so this is what you thought going into it. What have you actually been doing now that it's available? So, you know, you um, had said that you were going to be using it for back pain. Well, how's it actually working? Um, Are you able to decrease the amount of other drugs that you might have been taking? So if you had a prescription for uh, benzodiazepine, Valium or something like that, um, are you using that less? Um, are you sleeping better? You know, are there real measurable things? You know, would you endorse this as working well? And if they are, then you know, you'd ask them, what are you actually using? So are you smoking plant material? Are you using some kind of an oil? Are you using a vaporized product? Are you eating brownies? Exactly. <laughs> um, and you know, before or after, right? During? And then, you know, and then yeah. from there, it would be great to be able to say so specifically. Which product are you using? And then get into it and look at what's actually in that product. So how much THC is there? Mm-hmm. Uh, how much cannabidiol, CBD? How much cannabigerin, CBG? You know, this plant is full of compounds. There's probably 200-something biologically active compounds in that plant. We have pretty extensively in the laboratory studied two or three of them, um, and we haven't done a heck of a lot with putting them all in combination So, you know, the hope is that everybody together, when the data set is big enough, might be able to do something like make a recommendation that would say, if you want to use this sort of a um, therapeutic for anxiety, we would recommend that you get some kind of a preparation that has a lot of this particular compound, but not very much of this one. Mm. And we would recommend that you don't smoke it, uh, but that you eat it. You know, and that would be evidence-based. It would be backed by data. Right now, we don't have anything like that. What we have is, um, in science, we call it anecdotal yeah. uh, information. Um, you know, I think in the real world, you call it, hey, I know a guy that yeah. does this, and it works for him. Yeah, well, help my buddy next door. Yes, exactly. You know, that kind of stuff. Right, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. I yep. got you. All right, the doctor is going to stay with us, as well as the student, Lauren. And uh, we're going to keep them here for the hour and, and talk to them about this. Plants have a unique ability to help or not help us. I don't know if you saw. Did you see the article today, uh, Val, about no. asparagus and no. potatoes and uh, how by, that there's doctors now, cancer oncologists, that will not uh, are telling their patients don't eat asparagus, like if they have breast cancer or yep. whatever. Really? Because it the compound within those those plants causes the cancer to spread more aggressively. Oh. It's asparagine. It's the yeah. same stuff that makes your pee smell funny. Yeah. Smells like sulfur, you know? Yeah, that's what that, that is. And I thought that was kind of interesting today. It goes into the whole thing of the holistic What treatment. are you supposed to eat anymore? Yeah, but I'm just saying. Hol- I mean, what can you eat? Hol- holistic uh, treatments. I mean, <laughs> it, it goes further than a lot of people think. Yeah. So we'll no, come back I, I remember we'll that um, Suzanne Summers did a book about holistic eating, too, stuff like that. It's important. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, was it uh, the doctor dealt with heart disease that had the um, the micro or macro uh, diet that he, he wanted people to have? Uh, no, no, no that had um, really bad. Atkins? Uh, no, it wasn't Atkins. Uh, different outcome. I'll, I'll go to my phone. It's smarter <laughs> than me. And I'll tell you exactly who it was again. Uh, Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, that's coming up. Stick around with us. Got more to talk about. 96.5 FM, The Answer.
All right, back with you. Dean Ornish uh, was the name of the doctor. O-R-N-I-S-H. Heavy plants, uh, based diets, beans, legumes, all that kind of stuff. And uh, help reverse hardening of the arteries and things of that nature. Very little fat in it. Although, it'd be interesting now, the people that were all for that now look at, it depends on what kind of fat you're eating. Because it's, you know, you can use olive oil, you know, they'll tell you to use olive oil and things of that nature, or even coconut oil. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, things have just changed all over the map as far as this stuff. And in in our country right now, things are moving uh, decidedly towards a pro-marijuana, I think, uh, feeling about uh, pot. And the reason being is I think it's, well, to be honest, baby boomers. After the baby boomers, just about everybody experimented with marijuana. Or I, and I, that's not even a broad brush. I don't think by saying a lot of people. I think the majority of people have probably tried it, whether they liked it or not. I can't attest to. I mean, is that not why things are the moray of the of the culture is changing, Doc? Do you think? I think that's probably likely. Um, you know, I think another thing that we're seeing is that there has been probably more interest in i i hate to even use the word natural therapeutics um you know well, you god made it it's got to be good <laughs> exactly right god god made arsenic and <laughs> all, all kinds of things right? he did so you know the fact that something exists and exists in a plant your your body doesn't care about that mm-hmm. so in in my in my world in, in pharmacology and in drug development um you know, it may be worth talking a little bit about how that works. So within within your body, we, there are recognition sites that drugs can bind to. Um, they're usually proteins. Um, and in the case of what I tend to study, they're located in the brain. Um, a given recognition site in the brain that binds a drug that came out of a plant, that somebody picked the plant and boiled it in the purest glacial water from Mount Fuji and mm-hmm. extracted it and then you drink it, um, your brain is going to see that exactly the same way as it would see that same chemical if you just built it atom by atom in a lab and created it in a test tube. All right. I want you to keep your thoughts here. We're going to pick yes, this sir. up because it's going to be interesting to talk about. we got to get Fox News. Let's get back with the doc and Lauren here in just a moment. Stick around. You got a question? 823-0965. We continue the Dave Ellswick Show on a uh, Thursday, 823 is the number here. If you want to call in and talk to Dr. Bill, you want to talk to Lauren about this study that they're doing, this uh, survey that they're having people fill out. By the way, how are you finding the people to fill out the survey? Lauren. We made flyers, and we are distributing them to a lot of places around the state, mostly head shops and tobacco stores and places where people who are interested in medical cannabis might go to find out information about medical cannabis, even though it's probably not the best place to go. Um, So we sent those flyers out. We have Facebook posts in the Arkansas Cannabis Industry Association group. Okay. So what about my listeners, if they wanted to get involved in this? Can they get involved in it or are they not allowed? Anyone who is over the age of 18 and lives in Arkansas can take the survey. Okay. It's going to take about 30 to 45 minutes to complete, so make sure you have 
a decent amount of time set aside. If you're cooked, it may take longer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Comprehension. <laughs> that should be a question. That, yeah. you know, I think it is worth noting probably that uh, this is a – Sorry, my, par- okay. my parents are calling. They're listening to you. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, this is a study that went through all of the standard things that you do for human subjects protection. So even though, you know, we're not having people come to campus, we're not injecting them with anything, <laughs> we're, we'll probably never even meet them. We're sim- you know, there's simply an instrument that's available online that they'll use to sort of fill out and answer questions. Um, but it's probably worth noting for all of your listeners that, they will be completely anonymized. Everything will be treated confidentially. Um, you know, there can be hesitancy sometimes among people to contribute to these sorts of studies when they're worried that maybe, hey, if my name gets out there and my pastor hears about it mm-hmm. or, or whoever, you know, I just I don't want to be associated with that. So okay. that, that stuff's all taken care of. It's been approved by our Institutional Review Board, which is a panel that determines um, – you know, how to make sure that the research is being done responsibly, make sure everybody's protected. Okay. Now, when you fill fill this survey out, when you're done, it's not like you get a free bong or something, right? I don't think so, <laughs> Lauren. Is that, is that just, what's going <laughs> Look, I'm being the smarty that yeah. I, I can be at times. I understand <laughs> this is serious stuff. I really, really do. But, uh, I mean... How long are you guys going to go with this? I mean, and for how many months are you going to be collecting the data? Because this is a baseline survey and we're collecting data before medical cannabis is actually available, Mm -hmm. the survey will be going until medical cannabis is available. So the days that dispensaries open is... You're done. The day that will be done. At least for a couple of years. Yes, correct. How long do you think it's going to take to collect all this information and correlate it i don't know i mean you know we basically the 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 survey went live yesterday sometime and i believe that we've got around 300 people have already participated very cool and and i don't know if they've finished or if they were simply in in some stages along the way of Mm -hmm. working on it where is the survey um so do you have the it's tinyurl.com slash a r m e d cannabis Mark Med Cannabis. Yes. Okay. Yeah. AR Med Cannabis. Yep. Dot what? ORG? Well, it's tinyurl.com slash the AR Med Cannabis. All right. I'll get all that information. We'll post it on our my Facebook and on all my social media so that it's out there. You who have been listening and saying, well, I like to take that. I'd like to offer my thoughts on it as well. Lauren put a lot of work into making that flyer. There's a guy in a lab coat <laughs> holding a pot leaf and everything. Oh, that's very cool. So who put together who put together the survey? I mean, it, was it just the two of you, or was there a whole group of you, or how did it work? It was a collaborative effort between Dr. Nolan Pakachat at UAMS also, and the other colleges that Dr. Fanagrossi said earlier. So McGill, McLean, Pennsylvania, and John Hopkins. Yeah, so you know, we're trying in order to be able to throw all of our data together, we try to standardize everything. So if you ask the question one way here in Arkansas and they ask it in a diff- slightly different way in Pennsylvania, you're not really allowed to compare those things. You get into apples and oranges kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, so you know, we had 
weekly phone calls uh, where we debated things that to me were Really? <laughs> Minutia. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. You know, ands versus ors and commas yeah. versus semicolons. You know, what's the, what's the definition of is is? Yes, okay, certainly, I'm, I'm certainly okay. that kind of thing, right? So, you know, and and what what is sort of um, this is all new to me. I've never done this kind of thing before. This is not what my training is in, even a little bit. So, I, has it been fun for you? It's been eye opening. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> a good way to put it. Um, you know, I think you, I've, you've, I've been introduced to the whole world of human subjects research, which involves much more oversight and protection and things like that. Um, you know, I, I really can't stress that enough that this is not just a couple of people flying by the seat of their pants that, you know, we have had folks involved in this every step of the way. Well, you have to, if it's going to, I mean, it's just going to be like peer reviewed. Is this going to end up in medical journals and things of that yeah, nature? You know, certainly, you know, this will be things that, you know, the data that will be collected will be analyzed and used to write several manuscripts, I would imagine. So Lauren, um, what does that mean for you as just a student? It means I get a first author paper out of yeah. it. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yes. You're going to like that, huh? Yes. Huh? That Very makes much. sense because whatever you do if it's in research you know being published is important to get better jobs yeah right and you know this isn't even lauren's dissertation project she has a whole project in my lab that's not related in the slightest to this um i just know that she's interested in this and this is kind of a career aspiration and so i asked her to get involved in it i was so happy that she did because (laughs) she's done way more work on this than i have (laughs) so you're working on your doctorate right now yes what are what are you pursuing? What do, what's the subject? Can you talk about it? Yeah, I'm looking at. There's a synthetic cathinone. It's very different than anything found in marijuana, and it's called MDPV. Um, and I just look at MDPV and how the effects of MDPV are altered by environmental factors. So I give or I look at how ambient temperature and crowding conditions and um, activity affect MDPV. And, yeah. and, and it is what? I mean, in, in human lingo, us regular people out here, what are we talking about? It's a stimulant. Say okay. bath salts. A bath salt. It yeah. is ah. a constituent of bath salts. <laughs> oh. Like the right. stuff that people are taking and eating other people's faces exactly. off and yes. stuff? Wow, that, that'd be kind of interesting. Is it really a bath salt or is that just what it's called? It, is, it was sold as a bath salt, but it was also sold as a phone cleaner and a plant food and Ooh. a bunch of other... Nobody ever put it in their bathtub. No. So it was, it was, people have this idea that if you label new drugs um, as something other than what they are, that you can't be prosecuted for that. It's not true. We see this all the time. So a lot of these things are sold as jewelry cleaner, plant food, bath salts, things like that. It, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, the possession and distribution of specific chemicals is what's illegal, regardless of what you call them. Kind of like the fake marijuana stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I, I that's probably something I should do because I promised the, uh, the PI on this grant that I would. But, you know, at UAMS, we have um, a very large grant to study the synthetic cannabis. Really? Um, and so, you know, or, I'm going to have to have you on more often. Oh, yeah, I'm great. I mean, this is stuff people don't know. Yeah. You guys are one of the leading teaching university hospitals in the United States. Yeah. I mean, to my knowledge, we have the only um, National Institutes of Health funded grant that's focused on how the body metabolizes the specific compounds that are present 
in the synthetic cannabinoid products and how those metabolites may contribute to toxicity and abuse and things like that. Uh, you know, we were at the cutting edge of that, getting involved in it very early on. And that's kind of how I wound up being associated with this is that, you know, most of what I know about cannabinoids is based not on marijuana, although, you know, in the laboratory we use pure THC, um, which is the main psychoactive constituent in the plant, right. to compare with these synthetics. Um, so, I bet you wear gloves, don't you? Uh, we're certainly supposed to wear gloves all the time. Uh, I'm just and, saying. Yes. So we wear appropriate personal protective equipment all the time in the lab. All right, interesting. Okay. We've got to get a final break in. Let's do that. We'll come back. And this is really interesting. Again, I, I want everybody to understand that UAMS, again, is one of the you know biggest teaching research medical facilities in the United States. They do a lot of stuff over there. And, uh, David, I need to talk to you because I bet you there's other stuff that would be interesting to my my listeners about what you're doing over there. Our stuff's cancer, the most interesting. Cancer, <laughs> cancer and things of that nature. I know you guys are on cutting edge of that. Let's come back. We'll talk. We'll finish up here on the Dave Ellswick Show for a Thursday on 96.5 FM, The Answer. All right, we've got time to finish this uh, this whole uh, talk up. Doc, what are, you, what are you guys wanting to do with this? It's Dr. Bill... Uh, I'm going to try to get it right again. Fantagossi. Fantagossi. Fantagrossi. Grossi. Yes, Grossi. There's an R there. That's right. I forgot it. Sorry. And Lauren Russell. So what do you want to do with this? I mean, when you when you publish this information, what are some things that you're going to try to extrapolate from the data that you have? So I think, you know, initially part of what we want to do is just see if the real world data actually looks like the anecdotal information that's kicking around. Okay. So, you know, people tend to perceive these things as safe, or at least that's what we hear, right? Uh, nobody's really asked a couple of thousand people. Unless it's ditch um, weed. Yeah. <laughs> Dirt. <laughs> Just saying, Dirt. man. Right. Back you know, in the day. People will say it is helpful for insomnia. Um Okay. I will agree with that. Well, you know, right. Do a lot of people believe that or not? I ain't um, taking Ambien, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, initially, at least, that's the kind of thing that we're going to get. And I am not booking a hotel room in Stockholm for my Nobel Prize based on that yeah, kind of stuff. I got you. Um, you know, I don't expect that to be a huge deal. The, the point is that, like a lot of research, this is going to be incremental, where it's going to be building to a higher and higher level. And, you know, as we're able to integrate our information with the information elsewhere in the country and in Canada as well, and able to do those sorts of things where we're able to link back and say, people that are using this for anxiety are, uh, you know, they report that they feel much less anxious with these kinds of products taken in this kind of way. Um, We might also find, hey, they feel more anxious when they take this kind of product in this kind of way. So, man, avoid that. Um, You know, I think there's there's going to be a wealth of information that will come from this. Um, And, you know, the more people that contribute to it, the more reliable the data are. Um, You know, one issue with survey research is uh, selection bias. Right. So early on, I would imagine the only people that are interested enough to spend 30 or 40 minutes participating are people that are kind of vested already in using it. So, you know, at the beginning, you're likely to get one set of answers and that may kind of blend into a more uh, a different position as as other people come on. Um, So, you know, I think having this open for a while, 
uh, having it relatively easy access is the kind of thing that's going to be useful for us. So you said that the places that basically you mentioned that are also taking part in this, were any of them out West? I don't think so. I, I'm trying to, so I'm, yeah. just, I'm just wondering if, you know, if there's a hospital out somewhere where they've already legalized marijuana medicinally and things, and it's been doing, they've been doing it for years, might not give you a totally different answer than from people here, which is why they want to hear from people before, you know, it's available. Right. And then what are you getting from the East Coast snob, so to speak? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we, we've got Harvard's hospital in there, so we'll capture the you're snob not from the, You're not from the East, are you, Lauren? Okay. I, I, I actually I, I am. I grew up are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. right outside of Boston, as a matter of fact. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's that's part of the issue is that doing any of this kind of work has been, I, I don't want to say hampered because, it, you know, you take the world as it is. Um, but we can't do anything like a standard clinical trial mm-hmm. where, you know, a drug company has a brand new medication Um it's purified. There's mm-hmm. a known amount in each tablet. You can give it to people three times a day at exactly the same time. Everybody puts it in their mouth and swallows it with a cup of water. Um, some that, got a sugar pill, some got the real. Exactly. Okay. That's not what happens here, right? So right. there is no placebo marijuana that people out in the real world are using, although I suppose sometimes you buy some and it's It's called it's oregano. junk. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Oregano. Um, My brother tried to sell it to me when yeah. I was younger. But, but you know, what we, what we can't do is we're not able to give people, um, you know, these sort of specific products with known concentrations of all the different phytochemicals that are in there to see how they affect specific indications. Um, you know, even studies where one of the main and it's the thing that tends to sort of grab people's heartstrings is the use of medical cannabis in pediatric epilepsy. So almost every news report you see on this has it's positive. Well, so that's or, what that's what you see in the news, way. right? That's what you see in the sure. news. You see a kid that has Dravet syndrome. He has 300 seizures a day. Uh, his parents begin treating him with uh, cannabis oil or something, and the An kid edible, gets better. Mostly. Yeah, mostly. And, and the kid gets better. Well, you know that's not a controlled study. That's right. That's that one particular person's experience. Mm-hmm. So out at, you know, the the children's hospital in Denver, they're trying to compile all this information. But again, like I was saying before, the doctors can't tell the parents, we want you to go to this store and buy this product. Well, and the parents don't want to tell the doctor that they're doing this either because that's child abuse. Well, no, the parents have to tell the doctors because they're enrolled in an epilepsy treatment program. Oh, and and that's okay. If you're giving your kid cannabis, that's perfectly allowed in our state. But if you're doing that, we're not going to give them the same dose of anticonvulsant that we would otherwise. Right. Like okay. your child is going to be in danger if we don't know what you're doing. Right. That's true. Um, the problem is everybody's doing something different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the findings on that kind of thing are much more equivocal than what you see on the news. There are certainly uh, kids that are being treated with some kind of medical cannabis product whose um, convulsions and epilepsy have gotten worse. It might have gotten worse anyway, even without the treatments. Well, that's what but we don't drug. know. We don't have a control group, right? right. Um, there are certainly children that are being treated, and they've gotten better. They might have gotten better anyway. A lot of kids that have epilepsy can kind of grow out of it as they mature. And then there are some kids where it's not really different um, from before and after. Maybe they're not using enough of it. Maybe they're using the wrong kind of stuff. 
there's just a million questions. And so, you know, because of that, when you see these sort of individual stories on the news, when you read about them in the paper, it's a powerful thing to do to kind of experience somebody's life, but it, it may not reflect the majority of what's going on. All right. So I got three minutes left. So let me ask each of you the exact same question. What is the one thing out of this that you're doing right now that you really want to know? I mean, is there one question in your mind that's floating around that, yeah, I'd like to know the answer to that. So what I want to know, and um, I promise I'm not being flippant, but I I legitimately have a bet with someone (laughs) that says once this is all said and done, I bet what we're going to find is that the more THC in it and the faster you get it into your brain, the better it's going to work for whatever it is that you think you've got. Okay. Because people like THC. They like to get high. They like to slam it into their brain by smoking and vaporization as fast as they can. And if you've got something like anxiety, which I don't know, maybe you're anxious, maybe you're not, or insomnia or back pain that doesn't show up on an MRI scanner, mm-hmm. um, heck, you might feel a heck of a lot better from THC. Um, right. So that's what I want to know is, is that, is that going to work out to be true? Because Laura, I've got money on the line. What's on for you? <laughs> Mainly, I want to see if pharmaceutical use will actually go down if people use medical cannabis. That's cool. So a lot that's of people a, say that they will, that they can start smoking weed and they get to quit taking their opioids or whatever they're on. And I want to see if that's true for the Arkansas population. You're All not right. supposed to call it weed. Marijuana. Yes. Okay. Cannabis. <laughs> okay. I understand. You've got to be professional. Wait, this one is you. cannabis. Yeah. This one is weed. Yeah. They both look the same. Yeah. They both do the same. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting. I want you guys come when when it's all said and done. Got to come on and talk about it. Sure, it'll be interesting. I think it's cool because it's like I'd like to. I wish we could have had something like on tattoos. You know how now everyone's got a tattoo. There's no nobody looks at you. But whenever I was younger, like everyone was like, oh, he's got tattoos. I wouldn't. Know <laughs> I think that's about how that. it's going to be. Yeah, though. No I, idea. No, no. I think that's how it's going to be with your study. I think you're going to find out that it's going to be more accepted. I all think right. you may be right. We'll, we'll be, find out. We'll be back tomorrow, 2 o'clock, fun Friday tomorrow. Matt Smith will be into the house. We'll talk about uh, the movies that are coming out uh, this weekend or next week. You'll be Fifth, online tomorrow? 70 Shades. I don't know. I doubt it. We'll, we'll get we'll get the piece of equipment fixed and we'll do it. Doc, thanks for coming in. Yes. Yeah, thanks Lauren, for having thank us. you for Very coming in. My thanks to the folks at UAMS. Got to get a, Got to get out of here, Val. We're out of time. See you tomorrow at 2 o'clock. The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home, assisted living, and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com.